In the 1920s, a young African-American writer moved into New York City to join what became known as the Harlem Renaissance, an explosion of creativity among black artists. Through his poetry, Langston Hughes often tried to capture the common struggles and heartaches of people in his neighborhood, like this poem simply titled Dreams. Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams, for when dreams go, life is a barren field, frozen with snow. Some critics blasted Hughes for his negative portrayal of ordinary people, but Hughes was adamant that he wanted to write about the brokenness of ordinary people living ordinary lives. He once said his poetry is about workers and singers and job hunters on Lenox Avenue in New York or South State Street in Chicago. People up today and down tomorrow, working this week and fired the next, beaten and baffled, buying furniture on the installment plan, hoping to get a new suit for Easter, and then pawning that suit before the 4th of July. People like us, Springs Community Church, if we allow ourselves to be honest. Hughes understood that life is filled with hope and beauty, but sometimes it can also feel like a broken-winged bird or a barren field frozen with snow. Life in all its beauty and glory is often punctuated with sorrow and disappointment. The story of Easter is a story of so many things, of sacrifice and triumph, of joy and sorrow, of hope and disappointment. As we remember and even celebrate the death and sacrifice of Jesus on this strangely but accurately named day, Good Friday, we permit the parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 21 to direct and focus our gaze. So often, our focus is on the minor characters of these parables, which is to focus too much on ourselves. This story is an invitation to focus on the heart of the vineyard owner, on God as he longs to join his people. The experience of disappointment that Langston Hughes writes about is not just the stuff of poets. For anyone who spends more than five seconds authentically engaged with life, even as or especially as a child, disappointment is an unavoidable part of being human as it indelibly shapes our journey. The cynic philosopher Diogenes knew about disappointment. He would go around Athens in a day and daytime with a lighted lamp saying, I'm looking for an honest man. He would sit in front of a statue with a begging bowl and ask for alms. When asked why, he replied, I'm practicing disappointment. You don't have to go looking for it like Diogenes. It has a way of finding you. Paul Thoreau in his book, Sorvidius Shadow, tells of the intimacy of his long friendship with the writer V.S. Naipaul. And how one day, when they met in the street, Servidia, unprovoked, attacked him, saying, take it on the chin as he walked away. 
Or maybe more familiarly, you remember the last gasp of Julius Caesar at Tu Brute, which echoes the words of Jesus, Jesus to Judas. Do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Or David in Psalm 55, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend. There is clearly an undercurrent of relational disappointment in our parable this evening. Jesus uses a vineyard as the backdrop. It's the same backdrop used by the prophet Isaiah. He says this, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one has a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated. And briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel. And the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but heard cries of distress. Isaiah tells us of how the owner of the vineyard looked for it to produce good fruit, but it yielded only sour grapes. God was looking to Israel for justice and mercy and only saw bloodshed and distress. In the parable Jesus tells, the problem isn't the land or the vineyard, but those who the farmer left in charge of the property. When it was harvest time, the owner sends his servants to collect their fruit, but they are beaten, stoned, and murdered. The owner then sends his own son, but he too is murdered. In both stories, we see God's disappointed in his appointed people. God is looking for relationship and partnership with human beings, but he is rebuffed. They don't honor his loyalty or pursue or pursuit or trust in them. Instead, they are indifferent, vengeful, unjust. If we only look for ourselves in Scripture, we miss the long history of God's disappointment. From Adam in the garden to the disobedience of ancient Israel to our own rebellious hearts, the Catholic call and response antiphons of Good Friday give voice to God's disappointment. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I offended you? Answer me. But let's also stop and think about our own disappointment in religion. As a pastor, I hear all the time from people who've lost their faith because they think God has failed them or how they test religion and it returned empty. These aren't topics the Bible is mute on. Quite the opposite, actually. 
The Psalms of lament entreat God to be true to his nature. How long will you be angry with your people's prayer? Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see, Psalm 84. Or as Jeremiah cries out so boldly against God, O Lord, you have deceived me. I was deceived. Or even as Jesus weeps in torment, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? The scriptures are bursting with experience of disappointment. The parable of the tents is set within the last week of Jesus' life. That's on purpose. In every single way, it points to the cross. As much as Golgotha is a tragedy, it's also unrivaled in its extreme level of disappointment. Jesus, God in flesh, came to earth to usher in a new kingdom, one where all people are welcome and all creation flourishes under the reign of God. The incomprehensible murder of Jesus is the definitive assault on God's heart to be with and join to his creation. Fastened to the cross with Jesus was the hope of God. Nailed next to Christ is God's hope for his creation. Verse 37, he sent his saying, surely they will respect my son. In verse 45, Matthew tells us that the story is addressed specifically to the chief priests and Pharisees, the religious power brokers of Jesus' day. It was their inability to heed the warnings of the story, like the stewards of the vineyard in the parable that led directly to Christ's crucifixion. I wonder what type of hope was in Jesus' mind as he told this story to them. I wonder what type of relational fatigue he felt as he anticipated their rejection. I wonder how pregnant his disappointment in that moment was. Was it like Langston Hughes and his view of the common people of us? Like Diogenes's, like yours and mine in our most embattled moments. I wonder if he clung to hope that somehow this story or his eventual death, would finally wrestle the kingdom of God back from human hands and give it to God once for all to restore. So here we sit on Good Friday, stung with Jesus by death. We ask, is there a remedy to this disappointment? The answer is yes. It is the generosity of God, the unexplainable pursuit of God, the inexhaustible grace, mercy, and love of God. It's why we're here in the dark, joined together in circumspect wonder, unsure whether we should mourn or celebrate. Sitting on this side of Easter, we can't yet see it, but there is a promise, a faint light that beckons, one where tears are turned into laughter and disappointment into glorious, fulfilled hope. It's all darkness tonight, but dawn is indeed coming. As Jesus promises, the vineyard will be given to a people who will produce the fruit of the kingdom. All will be liberated. All will be forgiven. 
all will be welcome. The doorway to hope requires crossing the threshold of disappointment. The doorway to the restored kingdom must pass through the horror and utter disappointment of the cross. We come together tonight to bring our disappointments and unmet longings with us to this cross. May your soul be once and for all unbridled this evening as disappointment strangely mingles with hope. A people who get to be eternally joined with the living God. Amen.